When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to... Episode 115, part two of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, uh, now joined by other fellow co-hosts, Connor Hurley, all the way on the sunny West Coast. Uh, Connor, uh, we just had the interview, that we just played the interview from last night with uh, sophomore forward for the Northeastern Huskies and Beanpot champion, uh, Justin Ritz-Cohen, with a brief appearance there from Devin Levi, which is pretty cool. Uh, they're rooming together right now in Vermont uh, ahead of their game uh, playing in Vermont today. They might be even playing right now. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, great interview with him. Uh, very, very, you know, humble, smart kid. And I know he's going to, you know, jump on to uh, an NHL club this offseason, if not this offseason, the following uh, as an undrafted, you know, uh, free agent. 100%. The, kids, the kid has what it takes. Uh, upstairs most of all to be in the NHL. So uh, great interview with him. Had a lot of fun. And of course, always good to see Devin in good spirits. Yeah, it was, uh, first of all, that is not how I would pronounce his name. If you look at the way Justin's last name is spelled, did you say Fitzcoyan? Ritzcoyan. Ritzcoyan. Yeah, they call Gosh. him Ritzy. I was trying to look it up earlier and that is that is not how I ever <laughs> would have thought his name was pronounced that way. Yeah, Ritzcoyan. It's, um, it's yeah. He, the second thing I thought he sounds exactly like Jack Eichel and it kind of threw me off for a second. Uh, I, I was listening to the podcast and I thought you were talking to Jack Eichel and I was just like, what's Maybe going on here? Yeah. What's going on here? What did, what, what are we doing? Um, but thankfully it wasn't. And thankfully, yeah, we got a, uh, a bean pot champion on the show, which is always really, really cool. It's one of the best college hockey tournament. Well, it is the best college, college hockey tournament in the country. And uh, yeah, hopefully he's a future saber one day to go along with hopefully our future star goaltender. Yep. I, uh, and you want to know what, when it comes to, when it comes to Justin, I remember when I was messaging him, I mentioned it on the episode part one. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned we were texting each other earlier this week and I, you know, we were talking about how the jump he made from freshman year to sophomore year and how much his game has come along. And uh, he said, you know, I was willing to take on the added responsibility that was asked of me and, you know, he's that's the signs of a very selfless player, a guy who's not a me guy. He's willing to do what's asked of him from the team to in order for the betterment of the team. 
And, um, you know, and, and you just look at his game and like how it's evolved this season uh, near a 60% uh, faceoff percentage, which is for best in the country. Uh, you know, it, he, he, he's definitely, he's evolved a lot and I'm excited to what see the rest of this season brings. And as they chase a national championship. Yeah. We could use a guy that's 60% on faceoff. Yeah. That's for, we that's could. for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, we don't, I don't think we've had a guy like that since O'Reilly. Um, if we want to jump, if we want to jump right into that, we can, uh, uh, late last night, one of, I mean, it's the third biggest trade in the past two weeks. It's, it's, it's really up to you. We can talk about it later if you want, but, uh, well, we can talk about it now. I mean, like, listen, it's for me, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, we'll touch on it more, but, um, I thought it was an overpayment. Um, Tends to I, don't, I don't know much about what they gave up, so you might have to. You might have to. He gave up four um, draft picks. Had a little insight um, into the into the actual players. Yeah, they, they get four draft picks. A first, pretty much a first, second, third, and fourth. Yeah, um, I believe the third or either the second or the third actually belongs to Ottawa. Um, and they gave up uh, an unproven prospect and Adam Gaudet. So uh, I mean, so that's kind of like the throw in depth piece. Yeah. Um, they, they got I a defenseman out of it too, I think. I, no one really cares about. The, for sure. That's that's what I was wondering in terms of the players they actually gave up. Um, when I look at it from a, a Leafs perspective, I think I mentioned last week after the Flames game, the Sabres potentially turning into the Leafs in terms of being all skill, no grit. Yeah. If you bring in Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, uh, no, you're saying to the rest of your team, this is, this is what we were missing. These exactly. are the types of guys that perform in the playoffs – that give you that grit. Ryan O'Reilly's going to win 85% of his faceoffs, maybe less. But Noel Charlie's Noel Charlie's a, a very good bottom six forward. Um, these are the types of guys the Leafs have been missing in, in the playoffs recently. They're the types of guys that they haven't had that have allowed them to lose in the first round every single year for as long as we can remember. Um, the only thing that still concerns me from their perspective doesn't concern me from my perspective because I hope they lose again. Um, is the defense and the goaltending. Yeah. They still do not have the depth on defense that that they'll need or at least that other NHL t- playoff teams have. And you still do not know who's going to be their starter in the playoffs. No. From, from a goaltending perspective. I mean, Samsonov's been fine for the most part. I he I would say in a, in a limited role he's been okay. And then you never know what you're going to get from Matt Murray on a nightly basis. Yeah, he won two mm-hmm. cups in Pittsburgh, but that was a relatively long time ago, and he also had a much better yeah. defensive team in front of and, him. And the, so, and, the, and the teams in Pittsburgh too. I mean, they were they were all in their prime, like at the very yeah. top top oh, yeah. of the game. That entire team between Crosby, Malkin, Latang, like the whole not everything. They were they 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 were hitting their stride at the right time. Um, you know, getting hot at the right time, and, and you know, it also helps when you have you know. For Matt Murray, at least, I, I always, I've always said, competition breeds success. And when you have a guy like uh, Mark Andre Fleury sitting there idly waiting, and that one cup, Fleury played half of that playoff run. Yeah. Uh, and then they, and then they turned the reins over to to Murray. So, I think, I think he was really buoyed by a fantastic Pittsburgh team, for sure. uh, lines one through four, uh, very well built, very, very well. Uh, everything about that team. And, you know, I, I look at that deal when they brought in Matt Murray, it's like, that's just a bandaid to me. He was just a bandaid. 
Absolutely. You're hoping like there's a lot of hope there for sure. Uh, and same thing with Sam Sonoff. Like they have two guys that you're not going to know on a nightly basis who you're going to put in the net. Yeah. Which d- d- probably doesn't feel great for, for any Leaf fan. Um, but O'Reilly, as we saw, like he's a really good player uh, defensively, offensively wins faceoffs, gives you grit, really good on the four check sets guys up. Uh, I think his offense is a little bit down this year, but I think that's on a sort of a down St. Louis team in general. Yeah. But this is a home run swing from Kyle Dubas. He is saying to not only his team, but to the entire Leafs nation that we're going for it. And we only know that we have like this window in the next two to three years. Um, this is him. I mean, he sacrificed, like you said, kind of the future with what he gave up. So yeah, it's a massive deal. And as we've seen with the Isles and even the Rangers, the entire East is loading up. I think we have a general idea of who's going to come out of the West. Um, but this Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be unbelievable in terms of the amount of talent, the amount of grit, the amount of size and skill. Um, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what, what it would be like if the Sabres actually made it. Yeah, and uh, I, I do I do truly, truly believe that, you know, we have the talent to get to the playoffs. It's just I don't think you have a playoff team. No. The difference no. of what I'm saying there is you can get yourself to the playoffs. You can squeak in. but And that's all we want. Yeah, you know, I mean, win a couple of playoff games would be great. But if you want to win in the playoffs, this team isn't built to win in the playoffs. They're not. Absolutely. You're not, you know, people hate the buzzwords, gritty, sandpaper, you know. But it's true. You need those types of players, you know, guys uh, like your Keegan Colasires, your Nick DeLaurier's. Um, uh, there's another guy, too, that I had just a tip of my tongue I'm trying to remember his name, Boone Jenner. Uh, yeah. Those types of players. I mean, even Matthew Kachuk is a player as he is. Yeah, he's willing to play with an edge. You don't want those guys playing with an edge, but he's willing to play with an edge. He's built for the playoffs. And, and you know, like obviously the Panthers have had a pretty down first half of the year. You know they're going to make the playoffs. You absolutely. And like, you know what? They, they're just too good. They're too talented. They have too Not much me. talent, too much skill at every single position. They have two starting goalies. Um, you, you you never know what you're going to get from Bobrovsky, but I trust Spencer Knight for the most part. Yeah, uh, you know what, Bob? I think Bob proved proved a lot of doubters wrong last season yeah. in the playoffs as well. Uh, For he had sure. A good run. Um, so, and and again, it's all about when a team gets hot. Their goalie start, when when their goalie gets hot, and you know, you make a run at it. And you know, Buffalo is an opportunity tonight, like for instance, to take four out of six points on this West Coast trip. Um, and and the really positive thing at least today specifically. So the Panthers are losing seven to three to the Predators right now with five minutes left in the game. So they're going to lose that. Ottawa game. lost last night. Ottawa lost last night. The uh, Islanders are about to play the Bruins on the road. The mm-hmm. Bruins are 22, two and three at home. So we have to, we have to at least assume that's a pretty good chance. The Islanders are going to lose. Mm-hmm. The Penguins play the Devils at home, but the Penguins are starting our good friend, Dustin Tokarski. Which, not, not, not a good situation for them. Uh, the Red Wings are on the road against the Kraken, who the Sabres have seen firsthand this season, uh, who are a pretty good team, and they've played really well at home this year. And mm-hmm. I, Oh, and then the Capitals, Stadium Series, uh, without Ovechkin it's against Carolina. the Hurricanes. So yeah. all five teams ahead of the Sabres in the wildcard race today have a very good chance of losing. And mm-hmm. if the Sabres are able to take care of business against – 
a team that, like the Canucks, is likely about to be in the middle of a fire sale and doesn't really even want to win and is at the start of a rebuild, as we saw with the Ducks the other night. That puts you at 60 points, uh, likely two to three points out with three games in hand of a wild card spot. So, yep. And um, that situation. Also, uh, by, by the time uh, they drop puck for the face up for first face, well, no. the Sabres will have six games in hand on the Islanders in Florida, five games in hand on Washington, and two games in hand on Pittsburgh. And the scoreboard is going their way right now. Yep. You have a huge opportunity over the next week, especially when you get back home. I believe you have a game against the Leafs um, coming up very soon, which I'm very, very pumped for. Um, I believe I believe it's – you want to pull up the schedule, I'm pretty sure yeah, it's within the next week or two. They have a big game against the Leafs. Um, I have to imagine – It's Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday at home. Between – yeah, so this coming Tuesday. Ryan O'Reilly returns. Yeah. Uh, I would have to imagine – that these next two weeks are going to be huge in terms in, in terms of deciding whether or not you're going to be a buyer or, or a seller or stay put at the deadline. Like, I think yes. if you go on a run here, it's kind of hard not to want to improve your team. So, you- yeah, absolutely. But as we look at the schedule, do you know the three games after the Toronto game? I do not know offhand. On the road against the Lightning. Uh-huh. Night after, so the the Lightning's on Thursday. Back to back on the road against the Panthers. Dude, what's with all these? And these then on the road games. And then and then Sunday at home against the Capitals, which obviously will be a massive game. That's a that's yes. a matinee. That's a matinee that's a Sunday. Point game. That's a four point game right there. Matinee Sunday morning game. Who knows if Ovechkin's going to be back yet? Um, hard to say given what happened with his dad. Um, yeah, for those that don't know, he taking a extended leave of absence because his father passed away this past week. Um, but yeah, that is a thankfully Columbus at home after that. And then at Boston and then mm-hmm. Tampa Bay at home again, Edmonton at home at the Islanders. It is a daunting schedule. Yes. Um, so with a lot of hungry teams, with a lot of hungry teams in the exact same position who have made moves even prior to the deadline. Um, so these next four games, like you're really going to, have to see what this team is made of. Um, I don't know how much you watched of the game in Anaheim the other night. It was obviously a late one for, for people on the East coast. Uh, I was able to stay up for it. Um, we dominated a very bad team. I think the yeah. shots in the, the shots in the first period were 19 to two. Uh, and then we let that bad team into the, into the game and they took the lead three to two. Thankfully we were able to score, I think 15 seconds later um, to tie it at three, three. And then, Got a quick one after that, and it was over after that. But the Sabres thus far this season have shown that they can beat bad teams. But for the most part, aside from the Bruins game, aside from the Stars and that West Coast swing a couple weeks ago, they haven't proven that they can go toe-to-toe with a bigger, more skilled team that is actually going to make the playoffs. Um, And that's what they're going to have to show over the next week or two, like you said, if they're going to determine if they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. And, uh, you know, over the last week, you've just, you know, people who pay attention to the the social media presence of Sabres fans, uh, just the whole, we need to stick to the plan. We need to stick to the plan. Listen, you have the ability with the cap. You have the ability. I just, I genuinely don't believe that Yuri Kulik, Savoy, Austin, Rosen, are all going to be contributors to this team 
on the ice for the Buffalo. There's not. There's not going to be room. You, 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 you. I mean, the plan is to keep Quinn and Paterka around, correct? So you're, they're on entry level deals. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd imagine. I mean, that, that they make a big chunk of your second line. You have Dylan Cousins. I mean, the top line is set. I mean, you're you're essentially looking at your bottom six going forward is filling that out, right? Yeah. You still have other players under contract. Like, I just don't, you know, I don't see all four of those guys, you know, taking that step in the next two years and all being contributors to uh, this team as they try to make that next step. You know, so I, I think that at least I was surprised when we made all three first round picks this past draft. I was too. So I, I think a lot of people were, and mm-hmm. the the notion there is that you would have traded one of them to either yeah. move up or for another player or for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that we do have all three of those players now, and they're all pretty good prospects that have shown well since the draft, you have that luxury of using them in a package for something else. Not yeah. often. I think the Bruins did it in 2015. They had three first round picks in a row. I think it was like 13, 14, 15 or something. Aside from Jake DeBrusque, who is a solid NHL player who's been on the team since, the other two guys aren't on the team. And I'm almost positive that they've at least traded one of them or both of them for something else. And look where the Bruins are now. Yep. So that's a pretty good example of, I mean, they weren't even rebuilding at the time. I don't even know how they had three first round picks. The team is just so frustrating. Um, But that is an opportunity that you have that not a lot of other teams have. You have all of these assets. And soon enough, like those top nine forward spots in the Sabres lineup, they're going to be filled. Like we're going to sign free agents this offseason. We're going to have the cap room to bring in established NHL players. And a guy like Isaac Rosin, as good and promising as he might be, he can bring you something back right now. Yeah. Or a team that's rebuilding that can see his projection, can see what he will fit into their middle six in the next two to three years. Because that's when he's going to be in the league. And here, and here's the thing, like you would expect this team to be for sure in the playoffs next year. That's the plan. I mean, that's, like, if that's not the expectation. The then Kevin Adams shouldn't have his job. No, that um, it, it absolutely will be guys early. Yeah. Like the it's, expectation is this team is in the playoffs next year. For sure. And we're not, we're and listen, we're not in, we're not in the position to be taken on rentals. That's not, we're talking, we're talking about hockey trades, trades that make sense with a half term on it or with a player that's willing to sign an extension much like what the Islanders have a Bo Horvat, a hockey trade, not, yep. you know, a, a trade that's going to help you get hot at the right time and make a run. And then, you know, kind of like what the Leafs have done with Ryan O'Reilly, not saying that the Leafs aren't going to try and sign him and extend him. Yeah. He might want to stay there, but yeah, either way, that's yeah, like the rental for now. He's a rental right now. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he is going to add you at a lot for you in the bottom six. He's not a top six guy anymore. He's not a PP one guy anymore. You know, he might add some fire to your second power play line, line uh, unit. If it's where you want him, he's going to get, he's a, he is a good, a good guy to have on your first penalty kill. But I mean, everything you gave up for him, everything you gave him. This is like, for me, the, the, the Toronto deal is win or go home, right? Like you, you, sure. this is pup or bust at this point, like to give up all those picks it's You're pretty, in, a, in a very, very good draft. I know Connor Bedard is the, the sweetheart of this draft, but this is a very good draft. Down, yeah. You know, Quentin Musty, uh, Buffalo product, you know, out of Hamburg, he was uh, the first overall pick in the OHL. 
He's probably, I know he had a, he just reset that with injury. Like he's probably floating around in the middle of the round. That kid is a sniper and he's going to be there to be had for a team who's in a position to take him. Like, like that guy in other drafts is probably, a, you know, a top 10 pick easy. Yeah. You know, he'll probably go in the late twenties. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, to give up all of those picks in such a loaded draft, you're really mortgaging the future in hopes that you make Matthews happy because there's a ton of speculation that he's not going to want to stick around after this contract is up. Um, Tavares isn't getting any younger. Um, and you have all this money tied up in, in Marner, Nylander, you know, um, Matthews and Tavares. Like you have to win now. If you're, you're going to win, you're going to win. You need to win now. Um, I mean, it's not just, not just a loaded draft, like a loaded conference, as we talked yeah. about, like you have arguably two better teams in your own division. <laughs> like the Bruins and the lightning. I would, I would put up against the Leafs in a playoff series right now. And it looks like they'll likely play the lightning in the first round. If everything, yeah. If everything, yeah, holds, yeah. if everything holds, put yeah, which seven. It probably will. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think the O'Reilly trade maybe puts them over the edge of the lightning at this point, the lightning are aging a little bit, but they still have Vasilevsky and you have mm-hmm. either Matt Murray or, Ilya Samsonov. So I don't know. I mean, what? maybe they had some type of agreement with O'Reilly in terms of like signing him to a couple more years. But at the same time, like, I don't necessarily think you have the team yet. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to have the team unless you trade for Connor Hellebuck or you do something or Thatcher Demko, which feasibly they might. I, Thatcher Demko would be a good pickup for them. Yeah, I think they, he would be a good pickup for anybody. I, 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 I mean, for anybody, but yeah. for sure, I would think Pat, that Thatcher Demko could be on their radar, depending yeah. on the cost. I mean, but here's the thing: you just literally blew a ton of your assets on Ryan O'Reilly that you might want to use to go get, you know, Thatcher Demko. Yeah, but like, they they needed both technically. I mean, they yeah. have a really good top six. They have a really good top pairing, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So. I don't. I, I personally, I don't know how anyone's going to beat the Bruins this year. Um, you, you never know when the Sabres playoffs. Did. The yeah, did. yeah, but imagine a seven-game series. Oh, I um, know. I'm just saying this. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying, though. Over in in the playoffs, that team is going to be a machine. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anything can happen. I mean, the Kings were an eight seed in 2012. They ended. Up, I forget who they beat in the first round, uh, but they went on to win the cup. The playoffs are the playoffs for a reason. Uh, but yeah, it's. I just want the Sabres to get there. And that's the that's the crux of this discussion. And um, I think tonight's, I mean, obviously, it's not over if the Sabres lose tonight. But no, it's not over. by any means. But it would you gotta be, beat San Jose. You it have would to be a, it would be a massive blow. A massive yeah. you have to be, from here on out, you have to win all the games you're supposed to win, or at least get points out of it. Like you, there's no going home with no points. You need to get games to overtime. If you're getting beat, like get the yeah, at least, Every at point least, matters from here on out. At least a point. Um, I got to think UPL is going to start. Maybe. I mean, Comrie didn't look bad against didn't, Anaheim. Didn't look good. Didn't look bad either. I mean, you got to win. I, I would say like, given the way the game went, uh, those three goals, the Ducks got to make it three, two. Um, I was getting texts. I was looking on, on social media and whatnot. It's always like, when are we going to get a save? When are we going to get a save to 
keep the momentum. For instance, I think the shots when the Ducks went up three to two, I think we were still up by 15 to 20 shots. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't think any of the three of them, whether it be UPL, Anderson, or Comrie, the Sabres yeah. three goalies right now, I don't think any of the three inspire an incredible amount of confidence right now. I think a couple of weeks ago, UPL did, but maybe after, um, I guess it was the flames game. It's just hard to say, uh, that would be my best guess. Um, just based upon his body of work over the past two or three weeks. I mean, I look at the goal, uh, I think it was Fowler's second goal. Um, I mean, that puck came through a ton of traffic. He made two saves. Yeah, and no, that had, I, w- I wouldn't blame him on that one at all. Yeah, the, the defensemen are all looking, looking, you know, not looking for the puck. Um, and then Fowler's just there uncovered to hit, you know, what I mean, like for you sure. can't really much ask more of your goalie there. Um, uh, but with that being said, you got the win, and you know, they've struggled in net over the last you know, two weeks to really find some consistency and stability. The consistency and stability that UPL was giving you for almost a month. Yeah. Um, you haven't been getting that. And, you know, that whole issue of goaltending to start to rear its ugly egg again. So should they, will, will they go UPL? I can definitely see it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we went back to Comrie. I wouldn't be surprised. You, you think Anderson's out of the question after the Kings game? I mean, the Kings game wasn't his fault, dude. He was fucking left out to dry. I th- I think the, the first goal, in my opinion, shorthanded, wasn't great. And I think that's a that was a big momentum shift. At least in the building, because like had, having having been there, it was zero zero. Sabers were actually playing really really well. They get a power play midway through the second, and then the Kings just come down on a on a one on one rush and score a goal. I I didn't like that one. The one that went off his back off the boards that was just a bad bounce. And then yeah, you know, a you couple of a couple of the other ones he was left out to dry. Um, I just think they're going to be very cautious with him moving forward mm-hmm. in terms of the spots that they choose for him. I think when they they put him against the Stars a couple of weeks ago and he had that unbelievable first period, he hadn't played in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a really good spot for him. Um, yeah, I, I put all my money on UPL tonight, um, given his body worked over the last month. The thing with the Sharks, which we've discussed a lot recently, they have a pretty good amount of firepower. Mm-hmm. Eric Carlson is having the season of his life. And that yep. says a lot because he's – been one of the more skilled offensive defensemen in NHL history. Um, the way he's been able to set up uh, buzzword Timo Meyer all season long is pretty formidable. And it's been a lot of like, get through somebody on on the back door, send a cross size pass wide open one time or Sabres struggle mm-hmm. with that. They don't know how to cover the back door. Um, I think uh, Tomas Hurdle, he's probably, I think he's still there um, either way. Like he's obviously a very good player. So if the Sabres aren't careful tonight, of course they're going to get their chances because their defense, aside from Carlson, yeah. is, is pretty lacking. If they aren't careful, this could be a shootout. So they they really – I really hope that they have at least some type of defensive responsibility. That's something they've lacked all season long for the most part, and even in the Ducks game and the entire Kings game, it was really bad. Um, so I think that's got to be the focus tonight. You're going to have your offense. Your top line is clicking. Your power plays at least look a little bit better. But if you don't cover the back door or if you don't get back tonight, they're going to get burned. No, I I, I agree. Uh, you know, San Jose with a much struggling. You have Timo Meyer there. You have Thomas Hurdle. You have Logan Couture. You have Eric Carlson. They have got they have a lot of firepower on that team. 
but um, where they lack in that, and I think it's, it's you have to take advantage of. And yep. um, you know, they this this team for over a month of the season, Buffalo Sabres the highest scoring team in hockey, um, and they were averaging four or more goals a game during that time span. So I mean, that's the, that's a team they have to get themselves back to. You know, whether you know some people say, oh, well, other teams have figured them out. Well, I'm like, okay, well, but. I, I would never split up that top line ever again. Unless that was such a good idea. Yeah, it was terrible, especially putting that post with him. What I would do is I think Peyton Krebs has earned his stripes on this team and has earned an opportunity to play a bigger roles and more minutes. Um, and and you and you love Joe and like I would say the type of player Jost is great with Gergensen's and El Poso. That is a yeah. checking, hard nosed, four checking, fourth line. That's the those are the types of guys they're going to start the game for you. They're going to get the puck deep. They're going to be able to cycle it. They're going to be responsible mm-hmm. in their defensive zone. You need a line like that. That is a very quality line in the bottom six. I keep those three together. And then, like you said, Krebs has been amazing. He's found his scoring touch. He's found his playmaking touch. Um, and I think Middlestat looks better playing with him. Um, I think it's so Olofsson went down with Quinn and Cousins, correct? Yes. And and then it's um, Krebs, um, Middlestat, and I forget who he's with. It's Krebs, Middlestat, and no Olafson. Oh no, Olafson was the other. Uh... Well, actually, I, I bring I, I'll bring up the lines right now. Um, Lance tweeted them out earlier. Um, for those wondering uh, about tonight, potential lines. Defensive pairings. It looks like it could be Darlene with Yoki. How are you again? Which I mean, I mean, I, that's that's. It. I hate that. I just do. Him I and Samuel. Either, but... I you mean, I, worst, you put your you put your worst with your best. Yeah, Samuelson with power, and then uh, Clay with Labushkin, and then the lines at San Jose were the you know Thompson with Skinner and Tuck. Paterka is with Cousins and Olafson. I mean, yeah. Paterka makes his way, makes his way back in the lineup. Uh, and then middle set with Krebs and Quinn, and then on the bottom line, Gerges and Joe Sanakposo. Um, I yeah, like I, I'm excited to see more of Krebs with Quinn and Middlestat. Um, I think I think Krebs took a lot from playing with Gergensen's and Akposo. He plays a little more jam now. You know, he works harder on the boards and he does some things that maybe Casey Middlestat isn't very accustomed to doing, even though people, you know. We consider and say that Casey, in terms of what we've seen from him in the past, he's having a career year. Yes, he is, but he still hasn't really changed much in terms of the type of player he is. You know, he, if he's in open ice, you know, and he has and he has space, like yeah, he's he's a very you know, he's a very effective player. But the moment things get tough around the boards or in front of the net, like Casey's not the type of guy you want on the ice. No. Um, but Krebs being that type of a player to start the season playing with Gergensen's and Akposo, he got, he gained a little bit of an edge to his game. He has two fights on the season. It's great. Like not that you want that guy fighting. No, but you know, he found an edge and you know, he found a role. And just like we spoke earlier with about Ritz like he's accepted that role and he's doing whatever he can to help his team win. And I'm happy to see him get, you know, you know, move up in the lineup and play with some more talent. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think uh, Granado mentioned it the other day. 
they want hit middle stats to shoot more. Um, mm-hmm. They want those guys who seemingly have had talent all this time, but they haven't either had the space or the opportunity or the confidence to use it. You see middle stats goal the other night. That's exactly what we were all hoping for, for him as a prospect. Yeah. And that's in very small sample sizes we've seen from him. Um, that's the type of player he is. He can give you that type of goal. He can pick a corner, place a shot, hit it's it, go bar, yeah, go bar down if he needs to. Like he's had a lot of really good goals in his career, but he just needs to do it on a more consistent basis. And even with Quinn, he's the same type of player. He's not going to go down to the corners. He's not going to throw a big hit. But you saw his goal against uh, the Wild where he circled around the zone made his own play for himself, got into the slot, and space. Got, a, got a nice shot past Marc-Andre Fleury. So mm-hmm. those two guys, if you give them the opportunities to get the pucks on that and to make opportunities for themselves, those are the types of players that you're going to need in your middle six and your bottom six. Um, so, yeah, I like the line, the lineup. Like you said, that first line just has a very unique chemistry. Never break them up again. Um, mm-hmm. Tage looks like a different player when he's playing with Tuck. Same with uh, same with Skinner. Um, I think Cousins is going to play well with anybody. I think he's pretty much established himself as a very, very solid and capable second-line center. And then the rest of the lineup, you just got to find some depth scoring somewhere, uh, whether that be for Middlestad or Paterka or Quinn or Krebs or even Gergensen's every now and then. He had a mm-hmm. nice goal the other night. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's – these are the best – lineup combinations we've had all season and if they're able to provide some consistent scoring um aside from the top line which you know you're going to get yours every now and then i think it could be a good move so hopefully yeah. it works out tonight do you see that the senators uh retired chris neal's number last night i didn't see that did they play a montage of him uh uh hitting uh hitting Drew's head with his shoulder yeah I hope, man, maybe who knows knowing that organization. Uh, he, I guess he exited the ice through the penalty box, which I guess is fitting. But one thing I want to point out is like knowing that tonight is a big night for you, probably the biggest night of your career. Let's be real. He chose to wear a blue collared shirt and a blue tie underneath the Senator's jersey. And I don't understand that at all. I'm not one for fashion, but you think, you know, black and red to go with the jersey, like, he probably found out like two, two days before. Is like, why is my number getting retired? Yeah, right? like, yeah, figure it out. Um, I just, I'm, I'm kind of confused. Like, how many games did he play for them? Like, is well, he, he played? He, he played 16 seasons with them. Jesus, and it's a long time. Um, I don't yeah. know if he ever got a thousand games in. Again, I, I, I literally know Chris Neal for one thing and one yeah. thing only. <laughs> like, he's a dirty. He's a dirty. He was a dirty player. He threw cheap shots. I mean, yeah, maybe he had a couple of years or maybe he scored a couple times, but I mean, he was no more of an effective player than what Rob Ray was for us. You know? Yeah. I mean, he was their Rob Ray and I don't yeah. think the Sabres would ever retire Rob Ray's number. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't think so either. Unless they did it as like an ambassador type thing. Yeah. I mean, well, what he did with on the ice and what he's done away from the ice for the community. For sure. Yeah, like that. Uh, yeah. I, th- I mean, it, he's I, arguably he's done as much for the organization since he was retired as yep. he did on the ice. So um, that is interesting though. I, I can't believe they would do that, but whatever. Good for him. No. But uh, stepping away from that, um, going back to obviously some of the deals that have been made, um, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, obviously the St. Louis uh, blues are stripping it down to the studs. 
two of their big role players, two of the one of the, two of the, maybe the remaining players from that roster that were there when they won the cup. I think Tarasenko was part of that team. I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure yeah. he was. He was. Yeah. Um, and then Patrick Kane kind of being confused about why you know I would have loved to have gone to the Rangers, but even though he didn't really make it publicly known, he ever wanted. To, everyone thought he would. He actually wanted to resign with Chicago. He wanted to stay. And, you know, now I guess Patrick Kane is, along with Jacob Trickman, they're topping that trade bait board in terms of, you know, who's going to get moved to the deadline and for how much. And, you know, I, I think the return for Ryan O'Reilly, even though they had a they had a broker involved with Minnesota, made it interesting, uh, at least to say the least, of what a player might cost. Because if you're going to go by numbers, I mean, Casey Middlestat's having a better year than Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like – so what's the cost of a center or, uh, you know, a, a better a, a scoring winger going to cost? What's the market value going to be at? You know, what's Brock Besser going to cost now? I mean, granted, they play two different positions. One plays center, one's on the wing. But what's Brock Besser going to cost now? And, and he has term left on his deal. And, I mean, I imagine Vancouver would have to – I mean, it's a different thing, but Vancouver would have to eat some of that salary as well. Like, what, like where's the market right now at the trade deadline? I gotta let my dog in too, yet, buddy. So, uh, just give me one second. I'm fucking freaking out. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, but yeah, where's the trade market at right now for uh, you know a Brock Besser type player? Like you know, you know, I mean, I thought personally, I thought that Vancouver didn't get enough for Bo Horvat when they made that trade. Now I look at the St. Louis deal with 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 uh, for another center, a much lesser center. I don't care what the analytics say; he's way past his prime and. I'm sorry for any team look that's in the playoffs or looking to make the playoffs. You're taking Bo Horvat over Ryan O'Reilly 10 times out of 10. You know, yeah. I felt that Vancouver got less of a return for Horvat than what St. Louis got for O'Reilly. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, maybe it's because they know that they're going to make a lot more deals. Maybe they're not in as good of a financial position. I mean, I think, the market right now is is likely going to be set by Timo Meyer. He's yep. he's the prize, and he's the definitely most um, offensively skilled player out there that's going to help a playoff team in in their current mm -hmm. position. But he's probably also going to require the biggest contract coming out of it. And mm -hmm. I guess the same goes for Eric Carlson if they're if they're willing to get rid of him. Um, and I think that they've said for Timo Meyer that it's going to be two very high prospects and at least a couple of picks. Um, if you're willing to give that for a guy who is a three-time 30 goal scorer, a guy who you can slot into any single spot in your top six, I think a lot of teams are going to be, are going to be willing to do that. I know Toronto was at least rumored for, for Timo Meyer for a while. They can't be now because no they probably, they, yeah. They don't they have the assets them. to require. Acquire they, they don't have, they don't have them. Um, obviously the devils are still in it and, God, I'd hope the Sabres still are um, because I, I do believe, like everyone says, like stick to the plan, stick to the plan. I think the Sabres have the assets to still stick to the plan while also bringing in a guy that can help you make the playoffs and also be on the team for the next eight years. 
Yep. Um, slot in with Dylan Cousins and forget about it. What would you? What, um, what, 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 I know. I know. It's qualifying offers like either like nine and a half or ten million dollars. Yeah. But like, what does a long term deal look like for? Timo Meyer, because I don't think I mean, you can justify paying him more than Tage Thompson. That's the thing. Um, do you think I, I wonder if he would be fine with the exact same deal that Cousins and Thompson got? Because level, at least Asian would be. Yeah, like level level of production. He's right there with both of them. Mm-hmm. He's done it more consistently over and more frequently over the course of his career. And as he's shown this season, when you put him with a guy of Eric Carlson's talent, which I think anybody could see Darlene is basically the same player. Um, yeah. You also put him with better line mates, put him on power play one. He's going to give you 75 to 95 points a year. Yeah. So it's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know how that would look bringing a guy in trading high prospects, first round draft picks, and then paying him more than everybody, but Jeff Skinner on your team. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm not sure how that would look, but at the same time, it seems as though this team is selfless enough that like one to two million dollars wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like you can't imagine like Tage Thompson's and Dylan Cousins would walk into Kevin Adams' office and be like, "I want one million or two million more a year because he's getting that now." Like no, no, I think I think they, that, they haven't established themselves in the league enough to do that. Well, that I think they've established at least to to the fans and to this organization that maybe they're willing to take a little bit of a loss in order for the betterment of. You know, building yeah. up their team, and I, I um, think they both are at least somewhat grateful that, at least in in Dylan Cousins' case, like he hasn't produced at an NHL All Star level yet. Mm-hmm. Is his contract is a projection of where he will be, which everybody mm-hmm. in their mother knows is going to be an NHL All Star. So, hey. and then you saw with what happened with Tage last year, they rewarded him for his breakout season. Other than that, like he hasn't done anything in his entire career. So the two of them, like, yeah, I mean, you give Timo Meyer, a guy who's been a three-time 30-goal scorer, you give him eight and a half, nine a year, and then you forget about it. Well, we saw saw what Tate was doing last season and just how how he finally grew into his body, started shooting pucks more often than he was, and, you know, using his size to his advantage, you know, lowering the shoulder, protecting pucks. I mean – in my eyes, I remember when he signed that deal, people were freaking out after once he's like, why are you guys losing it? Like, did you guys not watch the same players I did last? It's not like he was locking into goals. It's not like he was seeing and pucks were just finding his stick. Like he was making plays himself happen. He was using his length and his size to make plays and to score. And he, his shot, you know, I, mean, I think it's more prevalent this year than it was last year, but hundred percent incredible. The incredible velocity of from his shot, especially from that that Ovechkin spot, um, I, I I wasn't worried about it at all. If anything, I felt bad for the guy because I knew he was gonna outperform that contract halfway through the season. And he probably hates his agent right now because you, we'd be talking about having to pay Darlene and Tage Thompson t- around ten million a year right now. Yeah. Whereas instead, we're just talking about Darlene and talking about how Tage Thompson might be one of the most underpaid players in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and if if like let's say he continues this trajectory two years down the line, I think they might do him a solid and renegotiate, or at least do who knows. Like I know players, yeah, I, I know so players too. don't often do that, um, but you got to think that is if he continues on a one hundred point pace like throughout his career, they're gonna they're gonna figure something out, whether it's incentives or anything else. Um, something can be done, but 
yeah, Kevin Adams looks incredibly smart right now. I think, I think Leafs fans specifically before this season, when the Sabres gave Samuelson that contract, everyone was just like, who is Matias Samuelson? Like, why are the Sabres doing this? That looked around the league like, oh, same old Sabres, like guy plays 20 games for you. He looks pretty good. Let's give him a five year, however many million dollar a deal, year contract. Turned out he's a very solid defensive defenseman and the guy that's going to play on the team probably for the next 10 years in your top pairing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a give and take. Um, but when it comes down to the deadline and it comes down to the amount of cap space you have and the assets you have, if you can get a guy like Timo Meyer on your team right now, sign him to a long-term deal, you, for, you forget about it for the next seven yeah. to 10 years. So I, I at least hope they're, I know that they've called and they're interested. Um, I hope they continue to, I hope they do whatever they can to not let him get to the devils, to not let him get to, I don't even know who else could get him right now. It, it honestly yeah. does feel, it does feel like us and the devils. So I really hope they, they do their due, due diligence. Yep. I agree. I, um, I got a feeling it's going to be the devils though. Perfect. I do too. Um, just because they're, they at least feel like they're farther along than we are. Yeah. And Jack, him, the idea of him and Jack Hughes playing on a line together, how lethal that power play could end up being. That's who like, I mean, but if I, if I'm Timo Meyer, I look at the projection of the Sabres compared to the devils. I like our projection better than theirs. I don't, I don't know if they have as many long-term viable options as we do. Um, I just, I don't know. Even in net, like theoretically, Devin Levi is going to be the Sabres starter in two years. Is Vitek Vanacek going to be the Devils goalie of the future? What happened to Mackenzie Blackwood? I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they are as optimistic internally about their long-term plan as we are. Yeah, um, I think for me, I've always been when it comes to goaltending. Oh. Uh, you need good goaltending to be successful in NHL, but you don't need elite goaltending. No. Um, you need your goaltenders to get hot at the right time. I think Jonathan Quick, um, elite playoff goaltender, very good NHL goaltender. You, you know, he takes yeah. he picks it up a notch in the playoffs. But, I mean, look at Chicago. Corey Crawford, two uh, cups. Anthony and Emmy had the other one. I mean, are they elite goaltenders? No. No. Not, not at all. Um, I mean, Braden Holpe, as good as he was for Washington some years, I wouldn't say he was elite. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, Pittsburgh, perfect example, you know, flower, fantastic goaltender, but Matt Murray has two cups and Matt Murray's below average right now. In my opinion, I, I just, you don't need elite goaltending to win Stanley cups. And you definitely don't have to pay for elite goaltending to win a Stanley cup. You know, ask how that's going with Bobrovsky. You know, paying for above average goaltending, but you're paying like you're you're paying him the amount of money that you know Austin Matthews is getting right now. You know, yeah. it's insane. Um, I've always been uh, on on the side of never pay your goaltender more than six and a half a year. I, I think that's a, a good number, seven depending. I mean, if you're looking at me. But again, you also look at Tampa Bay, you know, Vasilevsky, but players, but it's a different market down there because players are willing to make less than their salary because they're not paying state tax. You yeah. know, they're not, they're not getting boned and boned with taxes like we do up here, you know, so they're willing to take less than a contract because they know they're going to get all of it where, you know, so they can afford 
to have all of these guys signed eight, $9 million deals. Um, because of that, they they can afford to pay Vasilevsky $9 million a year. Um, because they have the right players in front of him. Um, whereas when, when Florida signed Bobrovsky to that deal, they weren't in the position that they are now, not even remotely close. Yeah. So, um, again, I've always been on the side of get a, get an above average goaltender and build in front of them, but For don't sure. ever pay a goalie like $10 million a year. I just if, don't you, if you can score three and a half, four goals a game, like the Sabres have been doing this season, you should have a goalie that has a GAA under three. Agreed. You, your, your starting goalie, or at least both goalies that have a GAA under three or three and a half. Like the yep. standard for a good goalie used to be two to 2.5. Mm-hmm. You know, and these days with the increase in scoring in the NHL, which is good for the league, um, 2.5 is great. 2.6, 2.7, save percentage, 9.10, 9.15, 9.20. It's not what it used to be. There's more skill. There's more talent. There's better offensive systems Mm -hmm. uh, up and down the lineup. As as we've talked about, there aren't really checking lines anymore. The Sabres kind of now have one, but every now and then Okposo, Gergensons, and Joes can get you a goal. Um, you look up and down like the, the Bruins fourth line, they're going to be able to get you a lot of points. I was looking at their, their statistics yesterday. They have, I think 16 or 17 guys with at least 30 points up and down the lineup. They have guys producing. It is unbelievable. The, the cross section of the, the, their, the points they're getting this season. And that just tells you everything you need to know about the amount of balance that they have on their team. I think Pasternak has, 18 to 20 more points than Marshawn. And then yep. the rest of the lineup is just very consistent. So, yeah, I mean, believe me, I would love to get to the point where we have a Hashik or a Miller. And I think we will in a couple of years with our guy. Um, but that's down the line and we have to stay above water until then. So, I agree. Um, if you were to grade so far, Grading the, the trades that have happened so far, the Bo Horvat deal, you know, the, uh, uh, sorry, Tarasenko deal, the um, O'Reilly deal. And there was one more, wasn't there? Those are the big three. Um, I feel like there was another one sprinkled in there. Not off the top of my head. I'm sure there was, but I, I can't, I can't think of it right now. Gosh, in terms of how would you how would you grade all three trades? In terms of best for team fit for where they are right now, um, I'd give a B plus, A minus B plus to Tarasenko because I think the Rangers needed that extra edge. They needed that extra potential scoring touch from a guy as supremely talented offensively as Tarasenko is. I think he just fits exactly what they need to give them that extra offensive output in the playoffs. I think he is the best fit for what they're going to need moving forward. And then in terms of the actual deal and fit, I think Horvat probably comes in next, maybe B plus B minus. Uh, I think they overpaid him for, for how I think he's 27, 28, soon to be 28. Um, I think they overpaid him. Like we said, uh, mm-hmm. the Canucks didn't get that much for him given how good of a player he is both offensively or defensively. Um, so maybe B, B minus on Horvat. Um, and also like, I think the Isles are a couple years past actually competing for a cup. They're not going to beat the Bruins. They're not going to be, I don't, I don't think they could beat the Rangers given, I mean, Sorokin's amazing. He could stack up with Shesterkin, but the rest of that team's not as good. 
Um, so yeah, just in terms of that. And then also O'Reilly, as we've discussed, they gave up a lot. And while it helps with their bottom six, it helps with face-offs, it helps um, with forechecking and toughness, which they haven't had, their defense and goaltending still isn't there. So I'll, I'll go maybe C plus C on that. Um, mm-hmm. Just because like, I think that could help them win a playoff series, which I think their fans would be happy about, but is that going to help them beat the Bruins? Is yeah. that going to, is that going to help them get to the Eastern conference final? They maybe could beat the lightning. I don't know if they beat the hurricanes. Um, I think the hurricanes are still a better team top to bottom. So, yeah, just in terms of where those teams are right now and the types of players that they got and what they gave up, I would go Tarasenko the best, Horvat second, O'Reilly third. I'm so interested to see what, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes do to improve their team uh, here in uh, the coming weeks because that is a team that's built to win in the playoffs. And, I, uh, I mean, where would you get better with that team? Like, what are you improving? I mean, potentially, like, as with a lot of these teams, like, you can always improve your, your bottom six. You can always improve your defensive depth. I think they probably feel pretty good about the combination of Anderson and Ranta. But, like, I don't know. Like, would they want to get Demko? Would they want to improve in net just to, like, push them over the top a little bit more? I don't mm-hmm. think that's out of the question. Obviously, you have a shutdown defenseman in, in Jacob Slavin. You have one of the best offensive defensemen in the league in Brian, um, Brett Burns. Um, you have a lot of guys up and down. He's the line. turnaround season, too. Yeah, you have, and just playing with a really good team, you can see that. Um, up and down that lineup, they've got guys that are very, very good. Uh, Natchez has had an incredible year. You know what you're getting from Ajo and Teravainen. Um, Yeah, there aren't many holes, and that team embodies their coach, as we've discussed. So they're going to be hard nosed. They're going to, God, I would love to see a Hurricanes Bruins Eastern Conference final. Um, yeah, and that's that's me saying this, knowing that the Sabers won't be there. Um, but in terms of what would be the most entertaining, the most skill, the most heavy hitting toughness, those two teams going up against each other would just be insane. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, could they afford Timo Meyer? <laughs> like, is that out of the question? I don't, I don't know what type of room they have. Probably not much, if I had to guess, um, or even in terms of assets. But I think any team should at least look into it because he's a guy that can put you over the top. I agree. Um, for me, the O'Reilly trade, I'll give it a B minus. I, you know, I hope it works out for him. I think he adds a lot to that bottom six that's desperately needed. He, you know, special teams is everything in, in the playoffs. Um, I, uh, I just, it has to work out for him. It has to like it. You have to like, this can't be Nick Felino all over again. Right. It can't be, um, you, you, you know, you can't, you know, bring that guy in to, you know, he was in granite Felino did bring a lot of those aspects to his game, but he didn't produce like at all for them in, in the playoffs uh, in, in the first round. Like he didn't get them over that hump. And, and I know he bring and O'Reilly brings a ton of leadership qualities. A lot of stuff that we heard, the buzzwords that we heard about, you know, Nick Felino last year. Um, I do think that Ryan O'Reilly has a higher pedigree of all of those things. And, you know, hopefully it rubs off on the whole locker room. But if you don't, 
if that doesn't work, I think the entire front office is gone. Like Dubis is gone. Keith is gone. Like they're going to come house, I think. You, you, you can't have this much of a talented hockey team for this long and not get out of the first round. Yeah. You know what I mean, Mike. Yeah, it, and that's what it felt like last night. It's a, it's a desperate move. It's it's bringing in a guy that has performed in the playoffs, who has a con Smythe, who did the same thing for a similar similarly built Blues team a few years ago, and they're taking a home run swing. And like you said, if it doesn't work, they're they're all gone. Yeah, she, which, which is just like a very enticing and funny prospect to think about as a Sabres fan. Yeah, I I know. I just you know we're well, watching Ryan Wiley. As bad as the Leafs have been over the past, I mean, as bad as the Sabres have been over the past 12 years, seeing the Leafs consistently fail and consistently spend the most money oh, and not make it basically any farther than the Sabres have, it's it's been amazing. Here, Here's the thing. I am all about watching them crash and burn. I love it. You know, who doesn't love it as a non-Toronto hockey fan? Uh, here's the thing, though, with me is if they were to finally get over the hump and get out of the first round, and even further than that, um, I'll be happy for them because that that fan. I have some friends that are that's that are Leafs fans, and you know, my mailman's a huge Leafs fan. You know, we talk all the time. Um, I hook. I got, I've got cousins. I've got family. Um, I personally yeah. just want to crash. I want them to crash and burn. And if they if they if they do win, I don't know how happy I'll be. To be honest, yeah, but. That's just, I guess, just my experiences like going to the Sabres Leafs games back in the day, them coming into our building, being, being obnoxious. Being oh, yeah. That was that, that body. Like, I know more hockey than you because I'm Canadian. Get out of here. No, you I, don't. Yeah. I That was always the, one of the big reasons for me, too, is that I couldn't stand it. It's just the constant, 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 that stupid fucking soccer song that them and the, the, the Habs fans will sing when they come to Buffalo. Like, I can't stand any of it. But knowing that the suffering that they've been through, like who can more relate to that than a Buffalo sports fan? Exactly. It's, it's you know like, what I mean? Like, so I, I felt the same way about the Cleveland Browns. Like, you know, when, you know, the Bills now when they're now in a situation where they're a Super Bowl contender every season, you know, I felt the same way about the Browns. I want to see the Browns with them until they went and signed up, you know, a sexual predator for a quarterback, <laughs> you know, like, now I want nothing to do with it. But at the time, before all that, I was like, you know what? I want to see them get over that hump because those fans deserve it. For sure. Now, fuck them. But yeah. I, I feel the same way about Toronto Maple Leafs fans. You know, I, I want to see them have something to cheer about for once. You it, know? it would be exciting in the playoffs. It would be good yeah. for the it would be good for the league. Yeah, percent. Uh, the league would love it. Gosh, if if Toronto mm-hmm. actually did something. Um, yeah, I think there are benefits to it, obviously, aside from the Leafs fans' pain, pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just – like we said, from an actual hockey perspective, I do not know how this changes that much. I think this potentially puts them over the edge of the lightning, but do they play the Bruins in the second round? Do they play the Hurricanes in the second round? The Atlantic. <laughs> like The Atlantic and the East is just such a tough, tough – Like that. That's, that's, it's, that's what you're going to go up against. And yeah. the Sabres, if they make the playoffs, you're playing the Bruins in the first round. Yep. Likely. And if it's not the Bruins, it's the Hurricanes. And you're probably going to get swept. You may be able to win one game once you're down. Who would you games. rather play, the Hurricanes or the Bruins? I'm going to say the Bruins. Neither. <laughs> Absolutely neither. <laughs> like, the, probably the Bruins, based upon like how we've played them this season, 
that Hurricanes game was just so, so soul-crushing for the Sabres. Um, in terms of how we match up, maybe a slight edge because a lot of these guys know Olmark and maybe know some of his tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're they're so solid well, defense. They're so solid defensively that it might not matter. It's not even just that. It's just historically, at least over the last reason, like there's no other team that gives Buffalo more issues than the Carolina Hurricanes. For and- sure. And I, I think specifically the way they're built right now with how tough they are. And like, as you saw in the first period of that game a couple weeks ago, like how much they shut the Sabres down in the neutral zone. Like mm-hmm. they weren't able to get out of their own end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both would be very. We were, personally, we I'm not. We don't need to think about that. As great as as great as Linus Olmark is, I would love nothing more than to bounce him out of the first round, just because. I mean, I am still salty of the way that all ended. I think sure. that he never. I not. I don't think he ever had intentions of signing with Buffalo. But like, uh, if you were, if you were him, given like what he went through while he was w- with the Sabers, like, would you want him to sign with the Sabers? No, no, I don't. But don't. Sure. But also, don't tell the GM. Don't trade me. You know. I. You know. I. I haven't decided. I'm not gonna. I. You know. I, I make him lead him to believe that you're going to sign in the off season because with the way he played for Buffalo, you know, he still had a winning record. You know, he, he's a very good goal. I mean, he gets you a decent return at the deadline for a team looking that needs to make a run, who needs a goalie, who needs an established, you know, established NHL goalie who's, you know, getting hot at the right time, which he was. I, I, I hated that, man. I hated yeah. that a lot. And, you know, I'm still salty about it. No, I'm with you. Um, if the Sabres were to beat the Bruins in the first round, gosh, <laughs> that, yeah. would be, that would be one of the more incredible upsets in NHL history. But yeah. just got to get there first. Yeah, transitioning away from that. Um, obviously, you know when uh, when we lost uh, right before we lost that shellacking to the Kings, uh, it was a big night for Buffalo Sabres hockey in another way. Uh, Devin Levi led the Northeastern Huskies to a Beanpot Championship. Um, when we had Devin on, I want to say it was episode 94, maybe, of Two Goalies, One Mike, something along those lines. 92, I can't remember. Um, I have to go look uh, at, the, at the channel. But um, anyways, uh, one of the reasons he wanted to go back was to win a Beanpot. Um, you know, and now that they've checked that off his list, you know, now on to a national championship, many would expect that he would sign his pro contract with Buffalo at the end of the college season. But the way he played at the bean pot, I know you said you watched some of the highlights. I was able to watch well, the semifinals and the finals against Harvard. Um, best goalie in the country right now, in my opinion, in both college hockey and junior with hands down, like he's the best. I, I, you know, nominated for the Mike Richter award again for best goaltender in D one college hockey. Um, I have to imagine he's going to be in the conversation for the Hobie Baker, the Hobie Baker. He should have won last year. Um, and just to, you know, to see him put the team on his back and then not taking away anything from Justin and the rest of the team, but Devin won them that tournament. He won tournament MVP and he won goaltender to the tournament. Like he's the reason they won one of the toughest, and again, Boston, Massachusetts, the whole area is the mecca of college hockey in the country. It's there in Minnesota, right? And um, to see him perform and take his game to a whole other level and check that one accomplishment off the list on, again, on, on, on to a college championship 
was awesome to see and see that the way he did it, he made a huge stop at the end of the third period or as the end of overtime, I believe one on one, I forget who was with, but you know, big, big blocker say it was, a he was Coronado who had gotten Coronado. Him. Yeah. One on one who had gotten him twice that game. Yeah. And then uh, in the shootout in the, in, it just, dude, just lights out, just absolutely lights out. And you saw the one glove save he made and I'll bring it up on the two goalies, one mic handle here on the screen for people to see. Um, he dude, he was out near the faceoff dot, like mm-hmm. in his the way he controls his depth, his footwork. You watch his shot, his his short shuffles. Like he is so fucking good. He's so technically sound, and he beats players mentally. He beats them mentally, man. It's not even just an athletic thing. It's just a mental thing when he gets out that far and he doesn't give him an inch. You know, he, he gave those guys no other option. You know, even with his size as a disadvantage at six foot one, I mean, he gave them nothing. Didn't give them an inch. Yeah. I mean, as a smaller goalie at six one, that's kind of what you need to do. It's what I've not to, not to compare myself to Devin Levi, but uh, it's what I've done my whole career is you, you have to be aggressive. You have to challenge. You have to take some of that daylight away. Otherwise, these guys are too good. Um, they're going to pick their corner. They're going to snipe you out of your bootstraps. Um, so the way he plays is obviously so remarkable. Um, like you said, with the short shuffles, he's, uh, I think, um, I think Scott Wheeler or someone else did a rank of, uh, goalie prospects at the athletic recently. They had, um, goalie prospects that have been drafted, uh, to the NHL thus far. Um, and they have him at number four which I thought was interesting. Um, do you know who – did you happen to see that? Do you know who would be above him right now? Uh, I'd have to take a look. I'm pulling up the highlights from the uh, from the shootout. Real so quick. the three guys they have above him uh, are Jesper Wallstedt from Sweden. Uh, he's a wild draft pick. He's this six foot yeah. five behemoth, positionally sound. He's unbelievable. Very, very good goaltender. Um, I think Askarov, I forgot who drafted him from Russia this past draft, but – he was one of the more highly t- touted goaltenders uh, to goaltending prospects in a long time. Um, third was Dustin Wolf, who is a very similar type of goaltender to, to Levi. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he was Spencer Knight's backup in the U and the World Juniors for the U.S. a few years ago. Um, six foot goalie, very small comparatively to the other goalies in the league, but short shuffles, plays big, and then they have Levi at four. Um, but to to play as big as he does with a smaller stature requires an incredible amount of athleticism and being as technically sound as he is to, like you said, in the shootout, come out as far as he does and have the mobility and the movement to stare those, to stare the guys down, be positionally sound, square up the shooter, get that glove up, do whatever he possibly can to take away as much of the net as he possibly can. You need to have an incredible amount of, consistency and positioning and everything to do with that. Um, which which one was this? This is one of the saves he made to keep the game tied, uh, just sealing the ice. It was a scramble in front. They show the replay here. It's an in, uh, incredible save out of desperation. It's not, um, it's not playing for me. I can't see it. Like, no, on that other screen, yeah. That's weird. Hold on. How about now? Nope. I hear it, but I can't see the actual. Uh, Hold on. I think I know what it is. Give me one second, guys. So, stop screen. Hold on. Present. Share screen. 
Here it is. Can you see now? Yes. Yep. So you see it right here. Uh, first shot comes in through a screen, makes a save, loose puck, can't find it. You, you know, you know, sitting down on his butt. Right here is the better look at it. Big save there at the at near, near the end of the third period to keep that game tied. Also, also, just I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a couple of saves here. Uh, there's the one again on Coronado at the end of overtime. Again, just a phenomenal save, getting out of his paint, reading the play one on one, not giving him an inch. Just again, another phenomenal play by Levi here. Come on, just blows you away, man. It really does. Absolutely blows you away here at the end of overtime with seconds remaining. Big pad save. Yeah, two off feet. To, so off, off to a shootout. If you if you wind it back a little bit, he's two to three feet out of the blue paint. And for yep. for those that don't know that as a goalie, that's your crease. That's where you're you're given the right to be yep. without being touched. For a goalie like that is, and we call it challenging to come out that far. And obviously, he's giving himself up there because there's two seconds left in overtime yep. or the in 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 regular time. Knowing the situation. Knowing the situation, being Knowing positionally situation. aware of where you are in the net and what, what the situation in the game is means everything. Um, mm -hmm. And he might have done that on a regular shot no matter what because a guy as good as Coronado, he could probably score from wherever because he is is a, is a very good shot. Um, yeah, the guy, like we've discussed, is the future. Um, I can't believe that we made that trade. Um, obviously, Sam Reinhart was never going to resign. Um he, no, never. in my opinion, he gave more to the organization than Jack Eichel did. Um, and I would love to have him back in some capacity, to be honest with you. Um, but the fact that we brought back a generational goalie prospect for Sam Reinhart um, is just so fitting. And it inspires so much hope for the organization. I know Portillo's there. Who knows if he's going to sign? I know UPL is there. Um, we have a few other prospects in, in the system. But to have a guy like that, who has consistently produced at the highest level of college and junior hockey in the country and not even the country, the continent and potentially even the world um, mm -hmm. inspires so much confidence for the Sabres moving forward. And I cannot wait to watch him in the NCAA tournament and even the AHL next year and, and moving forward. Um, it's yeah. really a sight to behold. And for those who haven't seen him yet, watch him play live. It reminds you not, he doesn't play the same way as Hasek and Miller, but he can take over a game in the same way. The Sabres yeah. haven't had a goalie. I mean, Allmark did it back in the day, but those were really there good. hasn't there hasn't been this much hype around a, a goaltending prospect since Miller, or any prospect for that matter. Maybe Eichel, obviously, yeah. is the hype. Which, which as a goalie, like, can be mentally like crumbling. <laughs> like, no, and I can tell you right now, he's gonna thrive on it. Like the kids all good. smiles all the time when he popped in. He popped in before the show with Justin last night. We talked a bit. Actually, I'll give myself a little tire pump here. He told me uh, uh, his girlfriend always wears the goat hoodie. Uh, loves wearing the goat hoodie that I gave him, the hashtag goat hoodie. And uh, she wanted to take it back home to Montreal with her, but he wouldn't let her because it's his favorite hoodie. Uh, so I thought that's pretty cool. Love so it. I'm going to work. I'm going to Boston for work at the end of March. Uh, he's still supposed to be there. Uh, I plan on bringing him a couple just to take back home with him. But, uh, you know, all jokes around, you know, you know, 
is happy to talk with us. And then he popped in once during the episode with Justin, you know, as a tire pump for Ritzy and uh, just the, the kid's just going to be a phenomenal, you know, he doesn't, yeah, he takes everything in stride. He's, you know, one of the more mentally strong goaltending prospects I think we've seen in a while where even this year with Northeastern, where he was, he was, he went a little bit of a run where, you know, he had a couple rough games. He let, didn't let that get him down. He so understood, you know, where, you know, his place on that team and how important it is for him to play at a high level uh, for them to be successful. And he got back, you know, back on track and, you know, let him to win a bean pot. Yeah. I think mentally this kid is as sound as Ryan Miller was, you know, you know, he just, I, I, when he, when he was on with us for two goalies on Mike, like just, you know, hearing him talk about the position and break down, break certain things down. Like it, it made me think of Miller a lot and that speaks volumes to his character and his ability to play the position. God, I've got 35 questions for him. So hopefully we can get him on again. Um, yeah, right. But, here's uh, a, but here's, here's the glove save that set Sabres Twitter on fire uh, uh, right here. The windmill. Or no, is this the shootout? Okay, the shootout. yeah, yeah. But it was the toss. Throw it, throw it back. It was throw the it toss. See, like you need, you need, you need a little le- level of cockiness. Look at you this. Need- Look at this. Can't give him an inch. See ya. Drop, yeah, you, you didn't stand a chance. Down. Well, that's the thing. That chance. Look how far he comes out. Dude, he was at. He down. was. Yeah. He was at the faceoff circle. He was yeah. at the faceoff circle. I mean, hear me out when I when watch I, here though. Watch, watch his feet. The mini shuffles. Yep. Just controlling where he is in the net. Still moving with the player, not letting himself back up too quickly and giving up more net. Just using those shuffles, using those shuffles to move himself backwards and control his depth. And, and, and again, on Coronado. Yep. And he's and he's so quick. Um. Yep. And he's he's able to do that because he's able to move his feet as quickly as he is, and he's able to keep his position. He stayed square the entire time. Yep. Um, like we said, as a smaller goalie, sometimes that's what you need to do. Um, no, it's really impressive, and it's super exciting. And every time a Sabres goalie lets in a, a really bad goal or even, like, doesn't necessarily make a save that they aren't supposed to make, I think about the types of save that Levi has made throughout his career. Yeah. Going across the net, that save he made against Quinn in the shootout uh, over development camp. Um, the other glove save in the semifinal against, I think it was BU or BC. Did they play? Either way, where yeah. it, was, it was right out in front, gets it, windmills the guy. You you have to have a certain level of confidence, of cockiness in net because guys need to know that it's hard to beat you. And if you don't, you're going to let them know about it. Um, I know he's a humble kid. I know he's mentally tough, but you can tell that he knows he's good. And you oh, have to. Your swagger. I play. I play my best when I play in front of people and. Mm-hmm. When I know that I'm good, when I'm in the zone, like we've all been in the zone as a goalie, you have that feeling about yourself and that confidence that you instill in yourself that no shot is going to get by me no matter what. Uh, you could have a bad deflection. You could have a backdoor one-timer. It's obviously going to happen every now and then. But if you see it, you save it. And for the most part, that seems like uh, his mantra. So, yeah, I'm excited. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. But the future is bright. Yeah. And the final save of the shootout uh, to win the whole thing, win the bean pot. Just again, tracking the puck very well. You let one of the greatest moments in all of hockey right there. 
Bucci Even on that, the call. Um, it kind of looked like it kind of looked like the shot went wide, but he got a piece of it with his glove. Um, yeah, no, he definitely he definitely got a piece of it. You'll show yeah. on the replay. Yeah. I mean, even even that, like, it shows his flexibility. It shows his ability to get across the crease, um, to move from side to side. Yeah. Be as quick as he is. Um, as we discussed, like, on his outside edges, he's incredibly strong. He can get from one side of the net to the other very, very quickly. Yeah. And in today's NHL, that's what you need to do. There's backdoor one-timers. There's, especially on this team, wide-open people on the backdoor all the time. Um, yeah. And you're not, you're not going to call it out. You're just going to need to know when it, when it happens. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's what you need as a, as a goalie in today's NHL. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's got it all, which is just really really impressive. Yep, and you know what? I'm excited to see what the future brings with him because I, I genuinely think that he has franchise goaltender written all over him. So in terms and, of North, you know, there's a good in terms of Northeastern uh, uh, NCAA tournament, are they definitely going to make it? Oh yeah, they'll be in it. Okay, they're fourteen. They're fourteen and ten right now. I haven't. I haven't checked. Um, let me see here. I'm not sure about the score in the Ver- uh, with them in Vermont right now. Um, before we close things out here, um, big day on two goalies on Mike um, with the Bruins up three nothing on the Islanders. Let's go. There we go. Right. I hate ruining for the Bruins, but if it helps us, by all means. Yeah, I mean that's all that matters to me is Buffalo get Buffalo getting to the playoffs. Three nothing in the first. Um, our Hobie Baker nominees just wanted to see here. I'm checking the uh, score right now. They're playing. I'm not sure if they play them tonight or if they've already played them today. I imagine today with a Saturday game and it'd be a day game. I'm just waiting yeah. for that to load up real quick. They have a Saturday Sunday uh, with with Vermont. Yes, I believe so. One second here. They play Vermont. It's actually at 7 o'clock. Um, and then they go to uh, UMass on the 24th. And then UMass again at home on the 25th, so back-to-back. And then March 3rd and 4th to end the season against UMass Lowell. Uh, all great hockey programs. It's, it's a tough schedule ahead for them. But, I mean, you couldn't ask Levi and that team to get hotter at a better time than right now, taking that momentum from the bean pot, go in there, beat Vermont. You know, just honestly a 5-0 and sweep here to end the season to solidify yourself in the college championship playoffs. That so. would be nice. Yeah, I uh, I really hope we're able to watch him against the best teams in the country. Yeah, that I agree. Would, that would be – that's a, that's a guy I think – not just us as Sabres fans, but college hockey wants him in the playoffs. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the more recognizable names for sure. For sure. And you got anything else, bud? Um, no, I, uh, I mean, just in terms of tonight, um, obviously yeah, any there, predictions, there we go. Predictions for tonight. Oh gosh. Over under has got to be six and a half. Um, it is. I, with I think every single Sabres game this season has been six and a half. Um, I'm going to definitely say over um, in terms of what I saw. Uh, in the Ducks game, um, just in terms of the team and what what they've shown in the past couple of weeks, obviously they've played some really good teams and haven't looked too great, but they have in, in certain stretches of, of all of those games. Um, mm-hmm. And what they showed the other night against the Ducks with these new line combinations, that was a 7-3 win, and I honestly think it should have been a lot more. Yeah. I'm going to go 5-2 to two Sabres tonight. 
Took that um, score out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. 5-2. I'm going to say 5-2. I think UPL plays. Um, I think he starts. He plays well. Um, I think he needs it, to be honest, going into this mm-hmm. hellish stretch that we have coming up. Um, I think at least one or two points from Thompson. Same with Darlene. I think the, the power play gets going a little bit. Um, their defense and their bottom six is the weakness of the team. They obviously have very, very talented forwards. Carlson is unbelievable. I can't wait to watch him. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, it's, it's like it, I've the the highlights that I've seen from him. What uh, Dimitri tweeted out. A he's back. Ago. He's back. To, he's back to his Ottawa yeah. self. Yeah, he's uh, himself of seven to ten years ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, they're they're gonna get their goals. Um, it may be tied at one point. Um, they even might be get a quick one because they're at home. But I do believe that the Sabres have proven at a lot of different junctures this season that they can handle mm-hmm. a team like this and they don't necessarily play down to their competition. I would love to see them get a lead and actually just keep it. <laughs> that hasn't happened this season. Um, maybe in a couple games it has, but not on a consistent level. So, yeah, we'll see. But I think um, a 5-2, 5-3 victory would be everything this team needs going into going into next week. I think you're going to get a big day, a uh, big night out of your top line. Um, I think they're going to be, you know, four out of their five goals. And I think that maybe you get something out of that third line that's uh, with Krabs, Middlestat, and Quinn. Or is it Paterka? Uh, I think it is Krabs with Middlestat and Is Paterka. it Quinn? Paterka. Or, no, it's Krabs, Middlestat, and Quinn. Correct. Yep. And then it's Cousins, Paterka, and Olofsson. I they I don't think they've announced a starter or not yet. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um I can't wait. So um, but with that being said, you know, big two point night for Buffalo. Uh, I need these two points against a much lesser team. And uh go back, come back home to Buffalo against Toronto Tuesday. Um healthy, come back healthy and ready to play a big divisional game. So uh this has been episode 115, part two of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel for Johnny Cullen and Connor Hurley, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Boulevard for all your Sabres game night. In this case, tonight, Sabres after dark. Uh, your, your needs there go over Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. And uh, I am right up there. <laughs> I am Dwayne Steinel for Connor Hurley. You guys have a good night. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and let's go Sabres. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. the blue hotel I wanna live at the blue hotel 
the podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.